Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back to the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo, joined by, of course, Harley Schultz as we head into the playoffs. You do it better playoffs? than I do? There playoffs? You what are you talking about playoffs? Just trying to win a game here, or two or three, sure. if you're in the Scott Fishbowl, possibly. Anyway, um, pretty – actually, it was a pretty eh kind of weekend with a lot of those scores and defense and crap like that. Well, I, I assume you're talking about the Jacksonville-Indianapolis game because, uh, and maybe the Los Angeles-Detroit game and, um, oh, yeah, there was the Atlanta game and, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, uh-huh. there, there was a lot of crappy games. And then there was the <laughs> um, Arizona-Green Bay game, and I'm still not sure how this happened, but how did Tennessee and the Jets score 48 points? That doesn't make any sense to me. It really doesn't. Um and even the New England-Minnesota game was kind of boring for, for the most part. Well, I think one of those uh, scores for the Jets-Tennessee uh, game was at least defensive, so that explains part of it. And did you know that the Saints became the first team in NFL history to beat the same team in back-to-back weeks? Because they gave it to the Eagles again by losing to Dallas. Bada-boom. <laughs> very good, very good. <sighs> I, I... Yeah. That was, I said that like midway through the game. I was like, so the Saints are giving it to the Eagles again. Well, that's okay. I think the Eagles are uh, are going to do just fine tonight against the Washington Redskins. They're already up seven to nothing. Uh, thanks to a, a very impressive pass from Carson Wentz that uh, watching it live here, it really appeared that there was no way for Golden Tate to catch the ball. Uh, very well covered. Uh, Short, tight pass, uh, fitted into the spiral, right into him. Six points on the board. On the move, flick of the wrist. It was was a pretty impressive throw, quite honestly. Yes. So, I really, I know that there's a lot of stuff that's going on. Um, I won't give any hints that people need them. But, unless you have anything you want to add, I want to get into our next segment. Segment, sure. So, that means I'm going to throw it over to Mr. Harley Schultz for this week's Blitzed Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. Christian Kirk and Greg Olson both suffered season-ending foot injuries this past weekend. In addition, A.J. Green was spotted in a walking boot after sustaining a foot injury of his own, and his season is also over. With the league spending millions of dollars addressing and researching helmet design and safety to protect against concussions, you would think that at least one of the medical trainers in the NFL would also have Dr. Scholl's foot number on speed dial. (laughs) The Chiefs have resigned former running back Chikandrick West following a so-so start by Spencer Ware on Sunday. Raises in the question, what? Were Jamal Charles, Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson, Marcus Allen, and Kristen Okoye not available? (laughs) The Packers fired Mike McCarthy following another humiliating loss this weekend. 
this time to the Arizona Cardinals. The team waited to announce the firing until after the game, but BPN News can officially report that as soon as McCarthy had allowed Jamal Williams to reach double-digit touches in this game, that he received a text from management that he was being replaced. (laughs) Josh Allen recorded 135 yards rushing this weekend. This is impressive since Nathan Peterman threw for a total of 108 yards combined over his first three games this season. (laughs) And finally, Kareem Hunt has been released by the Kansas City Chiefs and placed on the commissioner's exempt list following the release of a video associated with an off-the-field incident back in February of this past year. This brings up an important PSA as we approach the holidays this season. Kids, make sure that your family's elf on the shelf doesn't have a camera feed attached to it. Otherwise, you too might end up on Santa's exempt list. This has been your BPN News Update. Okay, I'll give you props. That was well done. That was a good one. I, I like <clears> that one. I had no idea where you were going. I was a little, you know, a little worried, quite honestly, but that was well done. Um, yeah, Greg Olson, I feel for him. I think he's possibly done, done, not just for I, I this thought we year. might see him in the press box uh, broadcasting tonight's game. Be better than Jason Witten. Then, oh, God, I know. Witten's been horrible. I'm sorry. He's been really awful. The best thing that's happened this year for me with regards to Witten being in the booth is the fact that we are recording when they're on and we miss half the game because it's on mute. Um, exactly. But Booger's not much better either. So, anyway, um, now I lose my train of thought here. We were talking about Mr. Olsen, right? Oh, let's say three foot injuries this week. It's amazing. Yeah. All two players that actually were fairly active in their teams. I mean, Christian Kirk, uh, five or six touchdowns this year as a rookie receiver for the Cardinals. He actually kind of surpassed Larry Fitzgerald as the as the preferred option for Josh Rosen to throw to. Greg Olson, obviously perennial all perennial all pro perennial Pro Bowl tight end for Carolina. Big part of that offense for the last ten plus years. And of course AJ Green who That's Rose just going right. back from one injury now he sustains another injury. Uh, late reports this evening are that he is going to have surgery and he is done for the year too. That's what I was going to say. AJ Green, you know, from when he came <clears> into the league up until last year, was an Iron Man of sorts, right? I mean, for the most part, how many consecutive years did he have a thousand yards receiving, and that got broke last year, which I think would have tied Randy Moss or something like that. And then this happens this year. It's it just goes to show one, it's a young man's sport. Although Kirk got hurt, but two, it's a violent game. It's a violent game, and it kind of makes you understand why Le'Veon Bell did what he did. Yes. You know, especially when you see somebody like, like, um, oh, his name's going to jump out of my head now, the guy from Earl Thomas in Seattle where he comes back, gets on the field, and breaks his leg without a new deal. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's understandable why these guys, I can't for the world of me believe or understand why fans support ownership in these fights so much. They should. I would think that the normal fan would relate more with a player than they would. Uh, granted, now the players make millions of dollars, but the owners are billionaires. Well, I think that fans get so heavily invested in their teams, and uh, and then then they see their stars not playing, and their teams might not be performing as well as they could play because that star isn't on the field, and they take it as an affront to them as fans. That, 
And so immediately they just, I mean, they, they get, they get upset about it and, and they want that player out there. They want that player performing. They want to see their team win and perform at the highest possible level. Yeah. So do you want to talk about anything or specifically, I know you want to talk about cream hunt possibly. Do you need a, do you have a soapbox you want to get on later? What do you want to do? <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about cream hunt here first. Cause I think that's, uh, yeah. Uh, by this point, I'm pretty sure that everyone and their sister has seen the video uh, of what Kareem Hunt did to uh, this supposed uh, acquaintance, stranger person he had met that night at a, at a hotel in February. And uh, again, we, we can talk about a lot of things, but ultimately it comes down to the fact that when, when you're in the public specter, whether it be as a celebrity actor, a politician, uh, yeah. or an athlete, you have to set yourself up to a higher standard. Now, again, you don't you don't have to go uh, Charles Barkley on and say you don't want to be a role model. You don't you don't have to be a role model, but you still have to set yourself up for the fact that somebody is always watching. And in this age of social media, it's like instantaneous negative publicity, and you, you just you can't have that if you if you want to be a successful person against celebrity otherwise. So yeah, let me add this: whatever, and people are seeing the video differently. Some think it wasn't so bad. Some think it <clears throat> was bad. Some think, well, if you're a feminist, then what does it matter if he hit a woman or if it was a man? Forget all that. I, I'm old school. I'm going to tell you it's never okay to lay your hands on a woman. If she had a gun to your head and a karate chop to the throat was possibly the only thing to save your life, that's a different story. But in 99.99% of all different scenarios I can think of, you don't touch a woman. It's just not the right thing to do. So I think what he did was disgusting. I didn't like it. But as my grandma and my dad and my mom and everybody that I know that was older when you're younger says, nothing good happens after 2 a.m., right? Yep. Um, I decided that, you know, I talked to my wife about it. So, you know, wanted a female's point of view. How do you, what, what do you think about this? How do you feel about this? And we both agreed that he deserves a punishment. But in looking at the reactions, and you know me, I've got that analytical mind where I kind of look at the both sides of everything, and I'll play devil's advocate a lot. You know what I mean? It's just, as well. It's just the two I am. So I'll ask the question. It doesn't mean that I believe it, but I'm going to ask the question. So based off of most, again, we can't say everything because not everybody says the same thing, but based off of most of what you hear, everybody and their mother and their aunt, et cetera, like you said, pretty much felt that no one should touch Kareem Hunt. And he did go unclaimed. So that made me think, let me ask this question. Let me pose, I posted it as a Twitter poll, and somebody said it's the stupidest poll they ever saw because they assumed that I was taking a certain side of it when I wasn't, and it was more to make a point. But I said, to summarize, does Kareem Hunt deserve to ever have a job again, be it NFL, white-collar, blue-collar, whatever, wherever, does he deserve to ever have a job again? My answer to that is, unless there's a law that puts him away for life, yes, he should be able to work again. And 
if it happened to me or you, right, mm-hmm. or even our next door neighbor who's even we're, – we're not technically in the limelight, but we have a little bit of a platform here. So it's our neighbor that has no platform. If he beat his wife and the cops came and they threw him in jail overnight, if he'd lost his job because of it, which is possible, right, he'd still be able to go out and get another job, very likely. Yeah. So because of that, I do think that Hunt deserves the ability to play in the NFL, just as the NFL has the right to say, and by NFL I mean the teams, to say, is there a value proposition in signing him or, or picking him up because of the, the blowback? Is it worth it? And I think it's got to be a strong organization, but I do not think it's right to blackball him to where he can't play. Ray Rice, people say, got blackballed. If Ray Rice could have still played, he'd have played. His, his skills were eroding. Michael Vick got another shot. I thought it was, I think it was irreprehensible what Vick did and what he claimed. And then when he was reinstated, Goodell said it was because he felt that he took, what was the word, accountability for his actions. I actually saw an interview where it sounded like he deflected. I didn't think he deserved to be reinstated when he was because of what he said. But I still felt that he, he did his time for the crime. He still deserved a shot. I just didn't agree with how and when it happened. So I, I don't see where it's different with Kareem other than it's a hot-button topic of domestic violence, which is not okay. But one doesn't really have anything to do with the other. Well, I think there's a couple of elements to look at here, and that is a uh, – our country as a whole is built on the idea, uh, at least the, the U.S. prison system is put, built on the idea that is the intention of the U.S. government to rehabilitate people whenever possible. Yes. So I, I think that if you're going to have that notion as as a country, that you have to allow that notion within the realm of uh, a game within that country. I, I think that would be wrong to immediately assume that a person is un, unrepentable, un, unrepairable, or again, now let's say, again, this is, this is purely for argument's sake. Let's say that you or your son or your father or your other male relative, for whatever reason, was involved in something like this at some point in his life. Would you want that person to be forever unable to further his life because of something he did, be it on purpose, be it on accident, be it poor judgment, be it drunken judgment, be it whatever. People kill people and wind up out of jail. Exactly. Things happen. People do stuff that, A, they shouldn't have done, and, and B, that they shouldn't have done but still did because they felt it was the right thing to do. But again, in a society that is going to survive long past this, we're going to need people to realize that, you know what? Mistakes happen. Things, things are said. People do things in the spur of the moment that they regret after the words. And it sounds like at least, and again, obviously we don't know what's being said behind the scenes, but all reports are, is that Kareem Hunt is, getting ahead of as much as he can. He's coming out now and saying a lot of stuff. Now you can say he didn't get ahead of this back in February by not telling uh, Clark Hunt and the rest of the Kansas city ownership about the situation. 
But now that it's all in the, the media eye, it's he, he seems to be saying and doing all the appropriate things. And you're always going to have people that are saying, well, he's only saying it because it's what he has to say. Listen, I've said this on many different issues. Hunt's what, 23, 24 years old, 25 mm-hmm. tops? And you're an adult at that age, but you're a kid. You don't yes. have life experience. I'm sure that we both have lied to our parents or you know something along those lines or know people that lied about something because they didn't want to get in trouble. was it that they thought they'd get away with it necessarily. It was they were hoping that they could get away without getting in trouble because they knew they did wrong. That's also a big plus if you know you did wrong. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that trying to get away with it makes it right. but So he's a young kid that's afraid of losing everything because he did something stupid at 3 a.m., right? Yep. I can see why he lied. I don't condone it. I don't think he should have. But that's why the Chiefs cut him, I believe. It was due to the fact that, look, when you build an organization, you build a team, it is built on trust and respect, right? Yes. If you run plays, it's that you trust that the other player did the practice to be where they're supposed to be, to block who they're supposed to block, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the culture that Andy probably has tried to build and has built in Kansas City, he felt was more important than the one player. And I have to say I applaud them for doing it. I know people will say they did it because of PR, and they may, that may have played a factor into it. But I do believe it's mainly because he lied to them and wasn't truthful, and they felt that that's the way to give him a repercussion along with whatever the NFL divvies up to him to make him hopefully learn from this and be able to move on. Because trust me, they don't want to cut a guy that's on a rookie deal that's cost-controlled, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, let's look at this from one other aspect, too, before we move on, and that's... Uh, Fantasy, so we can include it in the title. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> uh, we can talk about that, too. But uh, uh, One thing I've always wondered is... Uh, you, you had mentioned if the woman was attacking him with a gun... Um, now, obviously, the, the reason why this has become such a hot-button issue is because it was a man attacking a woman in this particular case. It was uh, Hunt hitting this individual that he had met that night or whatever and, and kicking her uh, repeatedly by what we can see in the video. But what is the point? And, and again, like, so I'm, not, I'm not trying to take a side on this either. I'm just wondering, what is the point? Like, where do we draw the line of, okay, I'm a celebrity, I'm being accosted, or my family is being accosted, or uh, where do we draw that line? Is it a knife? Is it a gun? Is it they're throwing punches at you? Is it they're kicking you? Is it they're chasing you with their car? Where is that line drawn, and, and how as a society can we can we go forward on that end? This is probably a cop-out answer, but I think it's you know it if you see it. Um, to try and put it in better terms, if you feel your life is threatened. So if there's a weapon involved, a hand's not a weapon, unless it's Ronda Rousey or an MMA fighter. Okay, That's a different story. But if it's just an average, everyday Jane or Joe, and you're, I don't care, I'll say Joe, even if it's a guy, if you're Life isn't in danger, and you're especially and you're in the spotlight. I would think everybody should turn the other cheek, but especially if you're in the spotlight, turn the other cheek. If you can walk away, you got other friends around you. Walk away. There's nothing wrong with that whole live to fight another day in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But if they're coming at you with a knife or a gun and you feel the need to protect yourself, yeah, I'll support that. Yeah, I think uh, for whatever reason, the, the thing that comes to my mind is uh, we, uh, my wife and I play trivia fairly regularly. And we just our trivia uh, last week. There was a question about uh, Princess Diana. And again, I, I think about her situation uh, and I, I wondered to myself, it's like, if I was a celebrity, if, if I was someone in, in the limelight quite like that, or even an NFL player, or even just a, a music or a television celebrity, we really, as individuals that aren't in that spot, do not quite understand the mental makeup associated with that. Whereas you kind of have to wonder to yourself, like, how much pressure they feel on themselves because of the fact that they're a celebrity. So here, okay, you're going to leave. We're, we're way off. We're way off base here, but hopefully people enjoy it. Um, that happened due to a high-speed crash because supposedly paparazzi were, were chasing them, right? Mm-hmm. So the paparazzi weren't chasing them per se because if they called them, they weren't going to do anything. They were trying to take pictures, Right. Yeah. They weren't going to run them off the road. They weren't, they weren't going to swerve in front of them and stop to make them stop, is my guess. So the flea aspect of whoever was driving, it seems like a natural instinct. Okay, they're after us. I'm going to go faster. When really they probably could have gone 30 miles an hour and driven to a police station, made a call. I don't know if cell phones were very prevalent back then or sent somebody in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A- instead of, I'll drive us to get us out of this. They could have just drove leisurely probably to the castle or wherever they were going. Now, yeah, I, th- I think that that was kind of like a, a like you said, a soft segue type of thing. But uh, that just popped in my mind because that was no, one of the things that came up in trivia the other day. And, but it's a fair it's a fair assumption because do you feel like your life is being threatened? And I think that we might make that we might manifest that with our head. But if you really go back and look at it, their life wasn't being threatened, but they cost themselves their lives or Diana's life by what their actions were. I'm going to give you an example here. And you tell me if this, if I did the right thing. Um, I was probably in my early twenties and was coming back from a club. I didn't drink cause I was driving that night. A couple friends in the car with me. And do you remember that old wives tale? I'll call it that there was gang or people that were driving around without their lights on. And if you, yes. if you blinked them, they came and got you and shot you or killed you or something like that. It's a gang initiation, uh, basically as a urban legend. So anybody that's in New Jersey listening that is South Jersey and knows Route 55 coming from Cherry Hill slash Philadelphia area, it's on Route 55 South. And I saw something ahead of me, and I wasn't sure what it was, so I turned my high beams on. What it was was a car that was going slow. And they didn't have any lights on. So it didn't fit that description because usually they're driving at you with no lights and they want you to flash flash to tell them, like, you know, I'm just telling you your lights aren't on type thing. So as I drive past them, I just kind of look and to me they seem like, God, they look like they're weird. They just look like they're in a trance or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I was young and dumb and I probably just, you know, beeped at them like, turn your lights on, dummy. That's probably not what I said, but we'll keep it PG. And I took off, okay? It's probably 2 o'clock in the morning after we left the club. Mm-hmm. Next thing I know, they are hammering it, and they're up, and they're on my tail. So I speed up. There's no cars on the road, just the two of us. I speed up and lose them. Then they come right back again. 
So then they go to get off and exit, right? Yep. And I was, and this happened two or three times. And I'd speed up because I, I had a sports car. I could lose them. And then I was afraid I'd get pulled over because a cop would be in the median or something. So then he catch back up. So then they go to get off of an exit. I should have left well enough alone. But you know what I did? I beat my horn and I stuck my finger out and I gave him a single salute. Well, guess what they did? They kept coming, coming back off the exit, down the ramp, and back onto the highway to follow me again. At that point, uh, and it's about a 40-minute drive to where I had to go. I get to the town where I live. I'm driving around, turning lights off. trying. I, I can't lose them because I don't want to go too fast. I finally just drove to the police station to drive by, thinking they'd leave. They didn't. I wound up losing them on some side streets, pulled the car into my grandmother's garage, um, called the cops because I watched them from the window drive back and forth along that road like four to five times looking for me. Okay, well, one, one thing uh, before we get too more, much further off on this. Uh, so you were talking earlier about Kareem Hunt's age. Uh, he's 23 years old. Okay. Uh, this is his second year in the, in the league. Now, it, right now, in, in a world that we live in, a lot of, I don't know how it is in, in your side of uh, the, the states, but a lot of cities here in Minnesota are taking initiatives to make it that you can't smoke cigarettes until you're 21. You And across the entire country, you can't purchase alcohol before you're 21. Right. And so now we're, we're saying that uh, these individuals who are merely a year or two over their 21st birthday are now going to be forced to live the rest of their lives in, in such a manner that uh, they, if they make a mistake like this, they'll be blackballed forever. And uh, I think, I think that's kind of a, it's a harsh reality. Uh, it's a harsh reality, but it's a, <laughs> and, and yeah, I don't disagree with you on that aspect of it seriously. And that's where they really need to have, I think more mentors for these guys and not like pros that have been out of the league for 20 years, but pros that are relatively recently out of the league and more close to their age. You know what I mean? That can exactly. give them advice. Um, the point of my story was I, at a point felt threatened for my life mm-hmm. and therefore drove at a high rate of speed, which is probably dangerous, which is different than that paparazzi thing. Cause I could, if they, if they caught me, I didn't know what they were going to do. They might've tried to run me off the road where, you know, that's not going to happen with paparazzi. But anyway, that's my stupid little scary story from back in my twenties. Well, so now getting into the fantasy aspect, though. Yes. Uh, we did We did get Spencer Ware last week. Damian Williams played as the backup. Ware was okay. Uh, he wasn't great by any means. He did score a touchdown, kind of save his fantasy line. Uh, now the news today comes out that the team signed a uh, former starting running back, Chuck Kendrick West, who was with the team in camp uh, this preseason. So he, he's got a familiarity with the playbook, obviously has familiarity with Andy Reid and the offense. Is Spencer Ware in any danger of losing touches to Chikandrick West? No, it's just you have to have – you can't be that thin, and you need a guy that can be you know, up on the playbook relatively quickly, which I think is important since there's not much season left. If, there, if we were in week two, you might have saw him bring somebody that was greener and that could have time to learn a playbook. Um, so I think that's what it is about, quite honestly. Um, as far as the Spencer Ware <clears throat> thing, it also should go to, to the point that as you enter the playoffs, and we said this, I think, a week or two ago, you need to start handcuffing your guys because you never know what's going to happen. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, at the end of the game, there was a possibility that uh, James Conner could have sustained a fairly major injury. And uh, fortunately for me, 
I had the pleasure of uh, already rostering Jalen Samuels uh, just because at the start of the year, this was a league where I'd actually drafted Le'Veon. So I had Connor as Le'Veon's backup. And then, of course, when Le'Veon finally decided he wasn't going to come back, I went ahead and signed Samuels. So yeah. you you want to have someone prepared, at least for your top running backs. I mean, again, we talked a little bit about the few wide receivers. And, and in the case of, say, like a Zach Ertz, the tight end, that could possibly be a handcuff for you. But at least at running back, you, you've got to have the guy for your top two. Yeah, and here's what's, I don't call it sad, but this just timing is everything. I picked up Spencer Ware in one of my leagues last week. I didn't own Hunt, but I figured I've got some bench guys that didn't pan out, and I'm going to the playoffs. If something happens, I'll, if I can't use him and something happens, at least the person I, that has him can't have him, right? Exactly. But then I needed a player, I believe a tight end, because I think Jimmy Graham was hurt. And I picked up somebody that I don't remember who it was. It might have been Lacoste. I might have dropped Spencer Ware for Lacoste. That might go down as one of the worst moves in fantasy football history. And, and it was like I did the drop like the day before the news <coughs> broke. So, yeah, that was pretty bad. Yeah, no, I, I was one of the guys who was really preaching Lacoste last week. But, yeah, he did absolutely nothing. He actually had like 80% of the snaps. He wasn't targeted a single time. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Big goose egg, big goose egg. Drop the ball on that one, folks. Sorry about that. Hopefully it didn't start him too much in DFS. It happens. And you know what? You get a zero at tight end. It's not that much difference than the next five, six guys that score in the top ten. Well, last week, though, you, you wanted to have one of those big guys. Ebron, big game. Yeah. Uh, Travis Kelsey, big game. I even started Kittle this week instead of Ebron by accident. I thought I made the change, and I looked, and I was like, Oh, no, wait, why, 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 why? Um, and it might cost me. It might cost me. It, they, they scored relatively close, but it might cost me. But um, it's, um, the playoffs are in. It's just a matter of positioning. So we'll see what happens. Well, you talk about playoffs. So before we move on to our next segment, I, I, just, I, I need to get on a soapbox here for a little bit and talk about playoffs here because uh, obviously we're both fans of dynasty format leagues. Uh, I'm also in yes. a couple different empire format leagues. Uh, but there are people that do do redraft leagues. And uh, so this is the first week of the playoffs for most of those teams. And my my issue is I, I'm in two different leagues where the same rule has actually both benefited me and cost me. And it, it's a rule that I really don't like. And I, I kind of want to get your opinion on it, but also let our listeners uh, kind of chime in too, see what they feel about this Uh I'm in two different leagues where the teams are broken up into divisions. Within those divisions, you play your division rivals twice each, and then you play uh, some of the other teams or all of the other teams once each season, which, again, when you're thinking about scheduling, that's, that's realistic. That's how it is in the NFL. That's how you'd expect it to be in fantasy if you're trying to create a real environment. Now, unlike the NFL, however, for playoff positioning – in both of these leagues, divisional record and head-to-head record mean nothing. Both of these leagues, tiebreakers are decided by total points scored on the season. So in one of these leagues, my divisional record is three more wins than the next closest team, but I'm not going to be the, the winner of that division because I have fewer total points scored this year than the next closest team who I also happened to beat twice twice this year. In the other iteration of this league, 
uh, or a different league, I should say. It, it's the same rule where it's total points and divisional record and head-to-head mean absolutely nothing. In that league, I am going to make the playoffs by three points because I had three more points than this guy, despite the fact that he had a better divisional record and a better head-to-head record against me. So this is the... <laughs> This is the tie-breaking criteria that we use, and I'm not a fan of it, quite honestly. Um, but I understand what you're saying, and here's the thing. I know most people say that points scored is a very good um, indication of the better team. That's not necessarily true. Yeah. Um, because let's say your league average is 150, right? And you had two weeks where you scored 240 points, and you're under league average the rest of the year. And I score 170 every week. Who's the better team? Yep. So uh, that's that. That's my part. But here's where I have a problem. We, Like I said, all my dynasty leagues are 16-team leagues, four divisions, two conferences. Your first criteria is overall winning percentage. Makes sense, right? Yes. The next is divisional winning percentage. That's basically to break your tie for divisions. It won't come down to a conference one. It'll go to the next break tiebreaker, which yes. is head-to-head. The problem I have with that is you only play each of the other teams in that other division in your conference once. It also happens when the buys are in play, right? Mm -hmm. So that shouldn't be a fair indication of, well, I got beat by that team, so I must be the better team when you're not full strength ever when you play those guys. I really think at that point the third one should be total points scored or conference record or something like that. Yeah, I guess my whole argument was that, personally, I prefer toll points scored, or in in the case of some leagues, all play, as a great way to... All play is better. It's still not perfect, but it is better. But my issue was, why would you create a league and siphon the teams off into divisions? Like, say, say a 12-team or a 10-team league. Why would you put teams in divisions and then not have your standing in that division mean anything. Right. No, I get you on that. So here's, here's this. I want to go into this. Since you're on your soapbox, I'll join you. Um, in this one, it's my longest-running dynasty. All It's full IDP and all that kind of stuff. I am 8-4 and four going into this week, final week of the regular season. I've scored twenty, almost 2,800 points. So my average score per week is 231.5. Okay. Mm-hmm. My opponent is eight and four. Also, we're the top two two um, records in our conference, and we're both likely to win this week if that happens. Okay, his average score per week is two twenty six, so I'm scoring about five points more per week than him. On the season, I've outscored him. I'm the second highest scoring team in the league. He's the fourth highest scoring team in the league. I'm going to try and pull up one other thing here. Real quick, let's take a look at standings and weekly summary. Okay, so my scores on a weekly basis, I'm just going to run through these really quick. 230, 217, 246, 243, 286, 298, 173, 202, 126, 287, 238, 225. Guess which week I played him on? (laughs) Your lowest scoring week. The 126. Yes. Yep. And he only scored 181, so he scored almost 40 points less than he normally scores. But that game is going to decide who gets a bye. 
It's rough, I know. <laughs> yep. So, and then I don't even know who has a better conference record. Uh, it could be the same for all I know. Um, let's just take a quick look. So my division record four and one conference is seven and two. His conference record's the same. So it would come down to total points if that's what you want to go to or an all play type record. I just don't think that one game, especially with how heavy buys are during that time frame, that should be what is dictating a playoff spot or, you know, playoff seating. Well, one thing that you, as a league commissioner or as a new league forming or whatnot, one thing to consider is when you put your schedules together and whatnot, if you're going to have divisional or conference games, figure, try to figure out a way to, within your schedule to get those divisional games so that some of them are at the start of the year before the buys really kick into high gear and put some of them near the end of the year after the buys are past their severeness. Also, by having those games at the end of the year, it can potentially lead to some interesting outcomes. Yep where teams are closer in the standings and whatnot, particularly, again, if you can make it so that your league values divisional record in some way. Well, since we're 16 teams, four conference, four, four divisions, two conferences, we have four teams per division. So we play the first three weeks are against divisional opponents, and the last three weeks are against divisional opponents. And that's how I'd recommend it to a new league forming right now. Yep. So anyway, um, enough of our soapbox, unless you want to stay on yours for a little bit. No, no, I'm good. I got that off my chest now. So if anyone wants information on starting up new leagues and whatnot, uh, certainly talk to me uh, this offseason, and I can give you guys information. I can even afford you some rules from some of the uh, leagues I'm currently in, so give you some framework to build rules for your next league that you join or form. And until then, you know what we're going to do? Win some money for those teams that might not make the playoffs. There you go. Or the ones that do and want to be greedy. Let's talk some DFS. Starting off at quarterback. Well, let's let's start off by saying how many do you think we're going to match this week? Now, it's a lot of teams, no teams on by, so it might be a little tougher. By the way, I know before we even got started today, you said that you needed like 18 points from Adrian Peterson that you're not going to get. He has a 90-yard touchdown, so you've got 15 already. I was quite happy. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised you didn't scream. Um, anyway, I, 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 I say... Was trying, I was trying to be professional during that one. I I'm, know. I'm going to give First us an over-under. Right? I'm going to set our over-under at four. Oh, geez. Uh, one, two, three. I, I, I'm going to take the under. <laughs> You're taking under. I was actually thinking about going five, so oh, wow. we'll see what happens. Let's go right to quarterback. Who are you paying up for? Well, so this week at quarterback, I actually liked a lot of the higher-priced options. Yeah, like tight um, end. But there's one in particular that I really like. Okay. And, and that one was the one I decided to go with. That's Philip Rivers versus Cincinnati. Oh, and we have a match right away. How about that? Right off the bat. <clears throat> you know, Cincinnati has allowed three or four passing touchdowns in four of their last six games. The only teams to not reach that plateau was Baltimore in the first game for Lamar Jackson, where they didn't let him throw the ball. And then last week, Denver with Case Keenum, who probably shouldn't have been throwing the ball. But in six home starts this year, Rivers is averaging over 330 passing yards per game. He has 15 touchdowns at home in those six starts. Uh, Rivers is money for at least 302, probably 303 here. Yeah, I think he's. there are quite a few options that look good. Um, I think that was the best. It's a shame that he doesn't have much of a home. Um, what's the word I want to use? Home field advantage, since he doesn't have many fans that show up, but at least he's not on the road. So mm-hmm. that's a plus. 
Um, so yeah, we got a match there. As far as who we're not, who I'm going to stay away from. To me, it came down to two people, and I think that you're going to have one of these two, because there are so many nice looking options at the top. That makes it easy for me to say, I know he's at home, I know he's on fire, but I think I'm going to stay away from Patrick Mahomes this week against we're Baltimore. Two for two. There we go. I, I didn't know if you'd go that way or not, but yeah, his price tag is is really high. Uh, Baltimore's only allowed two passing touchdowns. I'm sorry, more than two passing touchdowns once all year, uh, and only one quarterback has topped 292 passing yards against them this year. And Mahomes is great. He had four touchdowns last week, and again, not a great matchup. Yep. But you know what? You're not going to get typical Mahomes production this week. You're, you're going to be happy. When Mahomes throws for 290 and two or three touchdowns. Well, you, you might, though. You actually might, but it's not worth the risk. Not with the other options. Yeah, and again, I mean, it's, it's 7000 for Mahomes. It's only five 500 cheaper for Rivers. It's only a couple hundred yep. cheaper for uh, Big Ben. But that 9300 on FanDuel is where it's going to kill you because the, the likelihood of him scoring 29 points this week is just not good. Nope, I, I don't disagree with you, of course. All right, this one, I'm, I'm wondering... Actually, I need to circle one because I've got two names down here. I've got to decide who I want to go with here. Uh, I don't know an injury status on somebody, and I meant to check and I forgot. So I'm going to cross him off since there might be some, some injury concerns there. And I'm going to say, I'm going to let you go, and then I'll show you who I picked. Okay, well, there's a couple of value price guys that I kind of like. The I, I thought about Josh Allen here coming off the huge rushing performance, but yep. ultimately I decided based on price tag, I, I have to go with Tom Brady at Miami. He's 5,800 on DraftKings. That's that's ridiculously low for him. Brady has three or more touchdowns in three of his last four games against Miami. Now, yes, Tom Terrific has not been Tom Terrific lately, but this is just too easy of a matchup for him to not throw for three touchdowns. And at this price, it, you're never going to see Tom Brady this cheap again. Well, we're not going to match three for three. I don't like the matchup, actually. Um, Miami can be a little tough against the pass. It is on the road. I do expect them to wind up with a win for the Patriots, but I don't know that he's going to have to do much, honestly. Um, That's true. <laughs> I was toying with Lamar Jackson, but I wasn't sure. Are we going to see him this week, or is it going to be the RG3 show again? Um, um, I think Jackson's going to play this week. I, I kind of like him. Um, I'm, I'm mainly concerned about if, if like he's going to be forced to throw the ball to stay in the game. Right. So I, I wound up, he's the one I crossed off the list and I'm saying Baker Mayfield, um, at home, Carolina, look, he had three picks against Houston. Houston's one of the better defenses in the league, but he threw for almost 400 yards. Well, I think a lot of teams are a lot of, Daily fantasy players too are going to fade him because of that three pick performance yes. last week. And I agree. I've, I've got him rated green this week. I think he's an easy three X performer. Uh, he's he's actually the same price as Brady yep. on DraftKings, which seems like an insult to Brady. <laughs> but no, I, I agree with Baker here. Um, both of those guys should hit three times performance, and I have no problem with that as the call again. And the nice thing about Baker is again he will be under owned yep. because people have too much recency bias. Absolutely. Two for three is not bad at quarterback. Let's run on over to that running back position. Well, you see, the easy play here would be saying I'm going to pay up for Christian McCaffrey because he's been an absolute beast the last couple of weeks. Yep, but I'm and not. 
uh, even at that price, I think he's going to reach three times performance this week too. But he is not the guy I chose this week. Okay, I'm going to choose Elvin Kamara at Tampa Bay. Damn, uh, all-purpose backs, guys like Joe Mixon, Saquon Barkley, Matt Breda, and Christian McCaffrey twice recently have completely disemboweled this Tampa Bay run defense. Oh yeah, uh, back in Week One. Kamara posted uh, 141 total yards, nine receptions, and three touchdowns against this defense. You know, Kamara's faced this team three times in his career. And in those three games, he has 421 total yards and six touchdowns. This It's just to be too easy for him this week. So I had Kamara down. He was, uh, he was one of them, and I'm like, especially it's a bounce-back week, right? Yep. And then him, I, him and Michael Thomas, only two guys that didn't score. <laughs> and then I look at it and I go, Green Bay fired their coach. Everybody except that coach knew just how good Aaron Jones was. Mm-hmm. Aaron Jones gets fed this week against yes. a porous Atlanta. And it's, this is very unlike me because he's only $7,200, but at least he's in the seven grand category. I'm paying up for Aaron Jones this week. He is the seventh ranked based on price at DraftKings, so he definitely qualifies as a, a guy to take as a pay-to-play player. I totally agree with this. Yep. Okay, so who are you avoiding? This week, I am going to avoid, and watch my computer slow down here, Nick Chubb versus Carolina. Only two teams are allowing fewer yards per carry over the last three weeks, and only five teams are allowing fewer total rushing yards per game all season. I'm scared mainly, though, in this game about game script, which should make this a vertical passing game between these two teams. That really did not work out in Chubb's favor last week. He was really taken out of the game by the fact that Baker Mayfield was throwing, 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 throwing. Yep. So I, I, Chubb's not expensive enough for it to be the guy that I'm going to avoid. Um, it would have been easy to say, you know what, there's enough options I like. I'm just going to avoid Christian McCaffrey because he's too dang on expensive. But I didn't think that was right. So I'm actually going to avoid Saquon Barkley this week. Mm-hmm. Um, Washington, I know they've been a bit Jekyll and Hydeish on defense against the run, but they are going to be at home, mm-hmm. and they are right now leading the Eagles. But if they lose that game, they are going to have to get pressure on Manning and shut that run game down. So I don't like the risk involved with it. For him to have to get almost 27 points on DraftKings, I'll pass. Well, he's going to need 27 points on both sites because he's exactly 8,900 on both sites. And, and when you look at that there, it it seems possible he could get that, but you're paying only 200 or 400 more to get uh, Christian McCaffrey, and McCaffrey's matchup against Cleveland just is that much more safer. So I, I can totally get down with that agreement there. Yep. All right, so I really wasn't sure which way to go with my, my value play. But I think we might match because I think we're going to be on the same team. Now it's about are we on the same player or not. Interesting. I, I, the team that I'm on has two possibilities. And my concern with the player I want to go with, because I didn't go with them yet because I didn't circle anybody yet, but I'm going to in a second, is game flow. Game flow has me concerned, um, which just made me talk myself into the second guy. So I'll tell you who I'm not going with. I was going to, but I'm not going to go with Gus Edwards. I'm going with T-Watt. I'm going with Todd. Yeah, you know who I mean. Ty Montgomery. Ty Montgomery, okay. thank you. <clears throat> I like that pick, but that is not the same team I was thinking of. Now, before I 
expulsorate on the player that I am choosing for this week. I'd like to also mention another player who's going to be dirt cheap this week and who's going to be an interesting daily fantasy play, probably way over-owned, Jeff Wilson Jr. for San Francisco. Matt Breda has already been named out. Now, considering how much of a Superman Breda has been this season, the fact that he's already been ruled out means that he must actually be hurt. So (laughs) Wilson looked awesome last week. He's going to get the start, and I think he's a very good play at ridiculously low price. But also at a ridiculously low price, the guy who I'm going with, LeGarrett Blunt versus Arizona. Now, for some ridiculous reason, Detroit, despite being completely out of the playoffs, are still giving touches to LeGarrett Blunt at running back. I know Carrion's been hurt, but you'd think they'd like find someone young to at least get some touches in there. But as long as they're giving it to LeGarrett Blunt, he actually has looked kind of serviceable the last two weeks. He's averaging over four yards per carry. He's got a pair of touchdown dives. Arizona... They're allowing more than 140 running back rushing yards per game and a league-worst 1.4 rushing touchdowns per game. So even if Blunt splits touches with Riddick and Zenner and whoever else, when they get to the end zone, Blunt gets that one-yard carry every single time. He's going to get at least one touchdown this week, probably two. You know, there are certain players I just completely forget about. Blunt's actually one of them. I don't know why, but yeah, I completely overlooked him. You realize that he's already got this season almost half as many receptions as his high reception mark any other season. Maybe, uh, that's no, that's interesting. Um, you know what else I just realized? That while we were filming and I turned around and looked, that Mark Sanchez is not just back in the NFL, but he's throwing passes in the NFL now. Yes, Colt McCoy got knocked out of the game. He's actually been brought to the the trainer's room already, so it must be something fairly serious. And the Sanchez is back under center. Against a former team of his. Okay. Yes. So we didn't agree there. So we've got two right off the bat, and now we're just we're in the wind. Nothing good. We, we might score a victory or two here at wide receiver, though. I think we get three for three here. How's that? Ooh, I don't think you're going to match me on value play. You're probably right. Okay. Who are you paying up for? Pay up for Devontae Adams versus Atlanta. <laughs> That's a, get this. Much as was said about how Adam Thielen started this season so incredibly, Adams has scored and or topped 130 receiving yards in eight straight games. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And they just fired their coach. So I really think that you're going you're gonna to unleash things and just, if there's a week, this Here, is the week. Here's something. During uh, the... Late afternoon games and the evening game yesterday, all the commentators on TV were talking about how they can find a young, like, offensive-minded coach. And I'm thinking to myself, no, get a defensive-minded coach. That team needs defensive help. Let Aaron Rodgers be the offensive coordinator. Just let him go out there and do his thing. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the only reason I thought we may not have agreed on that is I thought that you may have gone Michael Thomas. Because I gave consideration to Michael Thomas against Tampa 16 Bay. 16 catches on 17 targets week one certainly came into play. But uh, I, I did think about Thomas a lot. I actually like the top four values, at dra- top four prices at DraftKings. Yep. Antonio Brown versus Oakland. Uh, ODB going up against uh, Washington. We've talked all season about how bad Washington is against number one receivers. So all four of those guys definitely in play at the top. Yep. So there you go. We're at three now. And... I really think we're going to make a match on the person that we're avoiding. 
I just no, do. I think I think we might now tune that way. Look at this here. Yep. Uh, we talk about stacking quarterbacks we like with wide receivers we like. Well, there's also the reverse stack, which is benching wide receivers of quarterbacks yes. that we're benching. Yes. So uh, I'm going to be benching Tyree Kill versus Baltimore. Ding, ding, ding. In the last two seasons, Baltimore has allowed more than one wide receiver touchdown only twice. One of those games was week two of this season where A.J. Green had three touchdowns. I, I still don't know how they did that. But in, in two years, basically, two years' time, only twice have they allowed more than one wide receiver touchdown. They completely have shut down wide receiver ones all season. Since week six, Michael Thomas is the only wide receiver one to post more than five receptions. And Thomas and Antonio Brown are the only two to score against this team since week six. Oh, there you go. You said it all. I mean, just, I agree. I just, I just didn't think it was a good spot for him. I was shocked he was priced down as much as he was. I thought he was going to be priced higher. Well, he's coming off, the other thing though is he's coming off a bad game. So there's always the turn, turnabout game type script where maybe they, they force him to get the ball more, but I just don't like the matchup. Okay, so for my value play, I'll tell you who I was leaning at and the thought and methodology behind it, and then I'll tell you who it is, because I'm going to tell you we're going to match. Okay? Okay. Um, I was leaning Cole Beasley at home against Philadelphia in that just absolutely bludgeoned secondary of theirs. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, no, because it's going to be the Amari show. They might mix in some Hearns. Just Beasley could wind up with a 5 for 76 type line. That's not as much upside as you want. $200 more. Guess what I'm doing? You know how you just stacked our stayaways? I'm stacking my pay up. Okay. So I'm not paying up for Keenan Allen, but I want Mike Williams at $3,900 against those Bengals in my value spot. Uh, that's not going to be a match, but I, I like to play. Oh. <laughs> uh, the guy that I am actually going to I'm, – I'm going to go – a little bit lower on the uh, price tag scale here. Uh, Dante Pettis versus Denver. Uh, 4,400 on DraftKings, 5,500 on FanDuel. Eight times this season, Denver has allowed more than 150 yards to a team's opponent's wide receiver grouping, including a couple of two and 300-yard performances by opposing wide receivers. Pettis, you know, over the last two weeks, he's posted nine catches 206 yards and three touchdowns. He is the clear number one there as long as Marquise Goodwin is uh, taking his personal time and Pierre Garçon remains uh, uh, one hit away from retirement. So it's the Pettis show in San Francisco. Okay. I I like that call. That's actually a game I didn't even – I should have looked at, but I did not look at it quite honestly. Um, I have a question for you. Yes. What year is it? I see that there is a 14-yard touchdown run by Darren Sproles. Mark Sanchez is taking snaps. I'm just not sure what year we're in. Um, I'm not sure either if that's what's happening. <laughs> All right. Got to get one more here at tight end for me to hit the over. You pushed, so you lost. Uh, we're we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to match on at least one of these, probably two. I'd you say. know what? I'm not sure because I really like the entire top of the tight end class. I agree. And I despise <laughs> all the cheap guys. Uh-huh. So now that I got happen very often. So now I got to figure out who do I really want to pay up for. That's the problem. I've got three of them. Okay. I 
and I haven't circled one of them yet. Okay. Well, I'll tell I'm, you mine. No, no, you can't. I got to circle mine first. I got to circle okay. first. Um, uh, it's on the road. I don't like that. They're both on the road. Uh, screw it. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm going with Zach Ertz as my pay up. Okay. I'm going to take Travis Kelsey this week. Uh, we're done. <laughs> we're done. Uh, Baltimore has allowed tight end scores in five of their last six games. They have also allowed 70 or more receiving yards to the position in six of their last eight games. Kelsey's white hot. Last two weeks, he's been targeted 28 times, posted 22 receptions, 295 yards, three touchdowns, probably should have had a fourth touchdown yesterday, a third touchdown yesterday too, but he was down at the 10-yard line uh, by a knee. Just I love I love Zach Ertz. I think that uh, Eric Ebron is a great price yeah. right now. George Kill's a great price. Yep. Ugh. The only one I didn't. The only one I didn't. Paying up a tight end. Yeah. So here's the thing. I went okay. I've got to put my pay up along with my stay away, so it makes sense, right? Remember that one week I was like, I'm paying up for Kelsey. I'm also staying away from Kelsey. Well, I didn't want to do that this week. Yep. So Kelsey was the first one I took off the list because I went. He's the highest priced one. So. There was two guys I had for my stay away, and I crossed the one out because I was like, I can't do that. It's not good enough. I'll go. I'll stay away from a guy that's $1,500 more. So I'm staying away from Kelsey due to price because so many of those other guys are just attractive. But the one I was considering was Jared Cook. So that is actually the guy I stayed away from was Jared Cook. Uh, <laughs> this thing, it's actually a really good matchup for him. But when you look at the price tags, yeah. You can get Rob Gronkowski for less. Yes. Against Miami. So it's like, how can you possibly right. start Jared Cook, even in a great matchup, when for less money you can have Rob Gronkowski? Which is why I took my twisted logic all the way back to avoid Kelsey. Mm-hmm. So you can get more of those wide receivers in that you that we liked. This is a week, though, where I could easily foresee myself starting two tight ends. I, I talked a lot about last yeah, year. Yeah, I don't like that I strategy. Do, I did do a lot of it this past, uh, this season, and most because the tight end has been such a, uh, just a pit. This is like the first week where it's like. Yeah, it's plush. This just so juicy on some of these matchups. And I, I've got two guys identified as value plays this week both of whom I could easily stack in my flex spot. Well, I'll say this. I hate the two tight end strategy. I would actually consider doing it this week. Seriously. Yeah. Like I said, it paid off me big time last year. Haven't really done it much this year because I haven't liked it this year, but this this will be the first week that I'll have a fair amount of exposure to two tight end. Okay, so let's let's move it up here. Let's see. You're staying away from Cook. I'm staying away from Kelsey. I had both of them written on the damn same line. Didn't pick the right one. Who is your value play? Because I struggle to find a value play. Because I, I really, I think a lot of them have tough matchups. Okay, so I, I could have gone really, really deep here. There's a couple of punt plays I'll, I'll mention first for the people that like to completely punt the position with the with the values at the top of the wide receiver spot this week. You might want to pay up at wide receiver and pay down at tight end. Yep. Guys to consider down there: uh, Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst in Baltimore going up against KC. Dan Arnold for the Saints, uh, Antonio Gates versus Cincinnati, and Ian Thomas, now that Greg Olson is gone, uh, facing Cleveland. Those are all guys that you can kind of pay down for this week if you want to punt the position. But there's two guys in, in the kind of middle area that I really, really like based on matchup, 
It came down for me between uh, David Njoku and uh, Vance McDonald. Oh, come on. Njoku doesn't count. He's priced too high. 3900 Yes. That's cheaper than than the cheapest wide receiver on the board. It's $900 (laughs) less than Gronk. Okay. I didn't go Njoku. I went with Vance McDonald at Oakland, and here's why. Five of the last nine teams to face Oakland have gotten more than 100 yards from their tight ends. (laughs) <laughs> okay, that's a good stat. I shouldn't even give mine. I really thought that you may be in line with where I am on this one. Um, I went with Jordan Thomas at $3,000. I, I, I like him at that price, too. He, he was kind of on the border of the punts. I thought he was a little higher than the rest of the punts, but I, I do like Jordan Thomas at that price. I, I was looking for somebody that was sub-3,000, couldn't find him. He was right there straddling the line, so I went. So I looked at him. I looked at Herndon. I was like, no, nah, I'm not touching Herndon against Buffalo in Buffalo. I'd have to be Buffalo's nuts to do Buffalo's been tough against tight ends. Um, and then, you know, Cameron Brait, I don't mind, but you know what? No way. No, New Orleans is, even though they're on the road, at least the defense has been tough. So and, and Again, same situation. New Orleans' defense against tight ends has been otherworldly this year. Well, my, my setting of the over-under at four was correct. Didn't hit the over. Didn't hit the under. <laughs> Vegas is happy. Exactly. It's All a push. All right. Any, any parting thoughts before I wrap this puppy up? No, uh, it should be good luck to everyone in their first round of their playoffs. Or if you got a buy, enjoy the buy because next week is when it all matters. Go pick up guys off the waiver wire still if you can. Uh, again, we mentioned uh, the running back from San Francisco who's going to get the start this week. Uh, pick up Jalen Samuels if you've got James Conner. Or back up whoever you might happen to have at running back one and one running back two because that's going to be really crucial come the playoffs time. And if you're into Scott Fishbowl, good luck in the playoffs, unless you're playing Harley or myself, because it looks like both of us are moving on. Um, but until next week, make sure you're, list- you're listening. You're following my man Harley at Nuclear Harley. Follow me at Steve Gallo NFL. Of course, check us out on the huddle. Check us out on iTunes. Rate us, review us, whatever you want to do. Hit us up on Twitter. Get engaged with us. And as always, until next week, get Blitz responsible. Cheers. <laughs>